and the intro music is not playing. I'm sorry about that, guys. Okay, well, why don't you start the... There we go. Sorry about that. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Joseph Reganas, filling in for Alan Podcotter, who's on vacation, and you're listening to Call Talk for January 4th, 2023. Today's topic is maximizing the human in the contact center. If you're listening live, we invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it. Email us at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at benchmarkportal.com at any time of the day. And now, I would like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Joseph, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about maximizing the human in the call center. I'll be interviewing Nicholas McDonald, Director of Customer Experience at Select Consulting and Lecturer at the University of Maine, a graduate of Ashford University with a Bachelor's in Organizational Management and an MBA in Finance and Information Systems. Nicholas will draw from a long and productive career in contact center leadership at Machias Savings Bank in Maine, where he put employee culture first, fostering employee engagement and teamwork that empowered his colleagues to provide excellent customer experiences. He is a believer in the power of small, incremental changes, that, and he'll share his approach and results with us. He's a national public speaker in customer experience and coaches leaders to grow their teams best and take the right tech strategy. On top of everything else, he owns and operates a small goat dairy farm and has a strong passion for horsemanship, spending his free time training his young quarter horse. So thanks for coming to the show, Nicholas. Welcome. Well, thank you, Bruce. It's an honor to be on the show. Well, great. Well, you know, uh, Nick, you're the first goat farmer that we've ever had <laughs> as an interviewee <laughs> on Call Talk. So I, I just have to milk that for all it's worth, pardon the pun. How did that happen, Nick? Well, I grew up working or having horses and never in my life thought I would have goats. Uh, until I met my husband, who had goats growing up. And so we ended up having uh, just a couple goats and some chickens. A couple goats then turned into more goats, and then all of a sudden we had a dairy farm. (laughs) Life just kind of goes that way sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That's great. Actually, I just had some uh, Italian goat cheese last night that was fabulous. So, uh, good for you. Good for you. Does most of that uh, milk go into milk or into cheese? Uh, most of it is uh, turned into either soap or cheese. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, uh, wonderful. I'd, I'd like to start asking questions about your background, uh, besides the goat farming. And say a few words, if you will, about your operation at Machias Savings Bank and, and tell us about how you created and nurtured the, the culture that you wanted as a manager. Of course. At Machias Savings Bank, I started as an entry-level agent. And what really hooked me about the MSB culture was the small-town feel and that everyone 
at the organization truly cared about the customer and employee experience. I quickly rose through the agent ranks uh, by really caring about that customer and putting myself in their shoes. Uh, and when I moved into contact center leadership, first in a team lead role, and then moving into the AVP customer service manager role, I worked diligently to build efficiencies by moving the contact center from island systems to a single omni-channel contact center software, which built the foundation for much more. Okay, that, that's great. And I, we'll talk more about that later too, Nick, because um, we at Benchmark Portal have always been really big uh, proponents of silo busting and making sure that you do have mm -hmm. an omni-channel mentality as well as systems to, to, to uh, support that mentality. So, but next, let, let's focus on how you recruited and screened candidates because the human side here is so important, as you you said in the title of this. So, how did how did you do the recruiting and screening of candidates? That's an excellent question and really a key piece to developing and building the team uh, that we had at Matraya Savings. Uh, my interviewing process always started with a phone interview, focused on getting to know the possible hire. Uh, this would quickly let me know, uh, me and my team leaders know, if the person could think quickly and was able to be personable on that on the phone. Uh, the primary goal here is to see if they can connect with someone in a non-in-person interaction. Next, we would bring uh, the best in-person, the best interviewees in person for a truly conversational behavioral interview. The goal here was to see if they could give quick, honest answers to best learn their behavior from previous roles, and we would dive into who they are in conversation to see if they would be an appropriate fit for our fun-loving customer service family. Uh, we always made sure candidates left saying that was the most fun interview I had ever had. One question <laughs> that uh, I started to roll out and this was after a trip to Zappos and uh, reading uh, Tony Shea's book. And I think the question was put by Zappos as one of their interview questions, how weird are you? So one day I just thought, I'm going to try that. <laughs> and if I thought the interview was starting to go in a positive direction, I would throw that question out there just to see how they handled it. And after trying that a few times, I realized that was a great key to seeing that person's true nature because they would either close up and think, I'm uncomfortable, or they would open up and be their true self. And that's really what I aimed at trying to find is who is this person truly in those interviews. Interesting. Okay, that that is quite the story there, Nicholas. Thank you for uh, for sharing that with us. I remember uh, leading a group of uh, foreign uh, contact center managers through Zappos m numerous years ago. And there was one gentleman from China there, and uh, he had a tie-on. He was the only one with a jacket and tie-on. And literally the person who was leading the tour came up with a pair of scissors and 
cut the tie. I could not believe it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it was all done in good fun, but I, I did feel, feel the need to uh, gift the uh, the gentleman uh, a new nice Italian silk tie afterwards to take the place of the one that had been the one had been cut up. Um, right. Anyway, yeah. Of our uh, a term that our previous chief customer experience officer at Matrias Savings Bank would always say about the culture. Yeah, and he said we're not stuffy bankers here. We like to have fun. That's great. That's great. And, you know, being a New Englander myself, uh, who now lives in California, and knowing that there are the cultural differences there, et cetera, uh, finding um, sort of Zappo-type people in Maine, I think, could sometimes be a, a challenge. But uh, I'm glad that you, you know, have found a way to break through some of those barriers. Well, that's silo-busting, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> On the cultural side. That's good. Well, great. And, um uh, really, a very creative approach to that. But what are some of the pointers that you could give our audience of, of mainly call center managers, is the people who listen to this, regarding onboarding and training agents to optimize the positive results that you're looking for, um, including things like a positive attitude and a sense of urgency, which is something that I know has always been important to you? I think one of the key items when onboarding a new hire is the drive for having a sense of urgency must be apparent in your current team members' behavior. Uh, You must build that culture uh, with the individuals on the team that you have already. Uh, And training a new hire with a sense of urgency will all but be lost if your culture does not thrive on doing all that you possibly can to satisfy that customer on that one interaction. Uh, More times than not, the agents or team leaders doing the onboarding would be the ones that truly bled the bank's colors, orange and blue, uh, for our customers. The sense of urgency was based on a natural optimism and care of there must be a way to fix any scenario that we may be given by our customers. And uh, that individual that I referenced a few moments ago, the uh, chief customer experience officer, I remember she stopped into the contact center one time and we had a couple new agents onboarding, had some senior agents training, and they just looked at the new agent looked so stressed. And she goes, why are you stressed? What's the worst thing that could happen? And, you know, they listed something, and she goes, well, nobody's going to die. We can we can fix just about anything. And uh, that mentality really just rang through in all of our training and our culture that no matter what comes up, there's a way that we could fix it. And there was never a time that you could not call on anyone throughout the bank. It wasn't that some – individual was above speaking to a customer, whether that was another agent, a business banker, an underwriter, or the CEO himself. The CEO on YouTube gave out his personal cell phone number uh, for any customer to call at any time of the day. That was the type of culture that we lived and breathed by. 
I try to stay friends. Mm. No, uh, quite a culture it is, in fact. Uh, why don't you give our audience a sense of the size of your operation? Uh, because, uh, of course, certain things that are uh, possible for operations, uh, contact center operations of, say, 100 and less, uh, uh, may not be possible in an uh, operation of a few hundred or more. So give us a, a sense of the operation that you have. Of course. Uh, when I first started with Machine Savings, we had uh, a dozen employees, including the supervisor at the time, and everyone reported directly to the supervisor. And um, when I left Matryas Savings, uh, we were at 23, and I had drastically changed the structure of it to uh, increase uh, the coaching ability for each agent as well. Okay, very good. Well, let's drill down on, on what you call your family first philosophy, which actually is a philosophy which uh, can be used in uh, centers of any size, really, as long as it's communicated from the supervisor level and supported at the senior level. But uh, tell us about that, which included community involvement and uh, also giving employee engagement and teamwork kind of a place of, of uh, primacy in the center. Absolutely. At Mediterranean Savings, we really, it was clear from uh, any part of the organization that we were encouraged to take time to be with our families. And the CEO of the organization put it the best way, that if your son or daughter has a sporting event, your mind is there. Your mind is at that sporting event. Um, it's not there with you at your desk while you're working on uh, reviewing a loan application. It's over there at that sporting event, and that's where you should be, uh, supporting your family. You can be there at work when your mind is focused and in the best place for work. Uh, in customer service in my department, we truly lived up to this philosophy. And uh, if somebody was, you know, had a sick kid, a sick family member, major life occurring, uh, we would allow them to work from whether it was out of state, take time with time off with pay, and anyone on the team would jump to cover that other person's chair so that they could be with their family. And uh, if it ever came back around, that other person would always be more than willing to step up. So it was true teamwork of each agent, each team member working together to uh, create a true family environment uh, within that BS team. Yeah, I think that part is so important. You need to have the family uh, approach to it. And actually, we hear that word used quite a bit in the best centers as we do our research on uh, agent satisfaction, the, the word, you know, family culture. Uh, some people say this is my second family, this sort of thing, in, in their responses. But uh, what's really important there, of course, is reciprocity. I can imagine uh, some of the people listening may say, you know, uh, how do I – how, how did Nick do that without having people abuse that, uh, you know, grace, if you will, that the uh, center gave them in terms of being able to take time off from work and – and uh, be with their families and that sort of thing. So how did you 
what words of advice would you give to managers to say, I'd like to either have what Nick had or move toward what Nick had as far as is reasonable and, and uh, possible for my center, but make sure that people act responsibly and that there's accountability. What thoughts do you have on that, Nick? So with uh, the family first philosophy and having the mentality of being able to drop anything and help someone else on the team, I will not say that it was perfect all the time. Um, we definitely had some that occasionally would abuse them. So that's where I work on the uh, organization of the team to have a uh, supervisor to agent ratio of in the single digits. And that coaching, direct coaching, is what helps uh, build that environment. Because if we had somebody that started to go down that path of abusing it, uh, for things that may not be, say, urgent or significant, say if kids were always sick or something like that, then we would guide them back to, okay, what are things, some items that we can work on to be proactive and plan mm -hmm. ahead for any of these items so that it doesn't seem like it's an emergency. If it's a sporting event, you should have a schedule well ahead for, say, a whole semester. Let's plan for that so that we can get this uh, balanced out, and then we're more than happy to work with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are good good inputs there. Uh, can you also tell us about your approach to job growth in the customer contact operation? You know, as managers, we all know that professional growth can be a challenge for many centers, uh, which have pretty flat organization charts and limited resources for professional development. What were your approaches there, Nick? Many times I've seen this where contact centers have very narrow job descriptions and that there's limited growth potential, as you've uh, stated, uh, whether this is talking to others at uh, conferences. And I even felt this uh, when I first joined Matraya Savings Bank, just wondering, where do I go from here? Uh, I love this team. I don't really want to leave the team, but I want to grow. Um, and we had a fair amount of turnover when I first started as an agent uh, because there wasn't a lot of opportunity to grow within the team. Uh, I, after seeing that for a while, I really wanted to change that for the customer service family. And over time, I developed the culture that if somebody wanted to learn more about another area of the bank or a possible contact center role that may not exist yet at MSB, I would support them 100% as that knowledge would directly impact our performance in the contact center and as a bank. Um, multiple employees under my leadership grew into more specialized roles uh, in the bank and within our department. This included uh, moving off to the asset management department, retail loan administration department, or developing workforce management roles or data analysts analysis roles or quality management right within our contact center. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I love that idea, and it's something that uh, we've encouraged uh, people that we work with to do as well. I, I call it the agent-alumni concept. And, uh, and, you know, that can be in part just making sure agents know about how other areas work. They can be seconded for a certain period of time then come back to the center. And in many cases, they uh, move from the center, which is a wonderful uh, training ground for having customer centric people in your organization who also get to know an awful lot about the organization because they have to answer questions on, on all aspects of the organization. And we had, and uh, so, go ahead. We had a program similar to that, of, uh, or sounds similar anyway. It was called walk a and they would be able to choose, I believe it was three or four different departments that they were interested in learning more about and they could uh, go spend a day or two with uh, any one of those uh, departments, learn more about it, and then bring that knowledge back and potentially go take classes to um, their career in that direction if that's something they desired. Excellent. Yeah, and that also is another way of promoting silo busting too because there's nothing like getting to know the people on the other side of the silo and getting to know the functions on the other side of the silo to uh, realize how things really can be integrated and should be integrated to give the best service possible to the customer. So that's great. And, and you know, when somebody does leave the center permanently for another position in the company, in another area, um, instead of saying, oh, we've lost you, it's more like you're one of our alums. And you know, you're, we're, we're proud of you, we're, you're moving on, uh, you're one of our alums, and you'll always be one of us. You know, it's uh, like what, once uh, I'm a Giants call center agent, always <laughs> a Giants call center agent. It really felt and, like that, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's great. Um, and, you know, we've also seen situations where, when for some reason there is a big ramp up in calls and things that people can be called back into service. And so you're in kind of a uh, reservist um, situation too, where you can be called back into service if, if needed in order to give uh, excellent customer service. So anyway, great, great thoughts there. Well, can you give us some examples of projects that uh, brought significant efficiency gains and customer experience improvements uh, at your center, and you know you can might, can talk about the uh, things that you did on the uh, people, process, and the technology side. So the first project that really rebuilt the technological foundation for our department was the transition from multiple siloed communication channels, including a PBX phone system, chat, secure messages through our online banking and multiple different email address uh, inboxes to one unified cloud contact solution, contact center solution. Uh, that move allowed us to be more efficient and effective uh, with our communication to our customers. And one of the biggest items that we didn't necessarily focus on in the project, but it was a result of the project, was the clarity we gained around our data and having all of that data within one uh, system. At first, this data was a bit of a frightening truth 
of where we actually stood in accordance with our culture standards of answering the calls within three rings. Um, but this gave us a baseline. Uh, this implementation happened at the beginning of 2020, just a few short months before uh, most of the world shut down for the pandemic. Uh, the beauty of being on a cloud-based system was the agents could take their computers and headsets home to work. So uh, that was very simple. And it just was, uh, we were blessed to have the timing work out in such a way. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, Nick, if I could just go back to the idea of answering the calls within three rings, uh, that is quite an ambitious goal. And where did that come from? And um, how difficult was it to actually fulfill that? Absolutely. So answering the call within three rings began with uh, a gentleman named Ed Hennessy. Ed Hennessy was the chairman of the board while I was at Matriot Savings Bank. Prior to that, um, well, let me go back a little ways. He initially started in at the bank in the 70s as a teller and worked his way up through the organization and was really one of the drivers for much of the growth at Matriot Savings Bank, both in uh, branches, well, branches, assets, and then culture. Really, mm -hmm. and the small town personalized culture really came from Ed Hennessy. Um, he drove that forward, and he always would uh, had a distaste for any automated message. He uh -huh. wanted a personal connection anytime he called someone. So he drove that throughout the organization saying, we need to make sure that we are picking up the phone and somebody doesn't get a voicemail or an automated message, mm -hmm. that they get a real person on the other end of the line to answer their question. And he would, if somebody's phone was approaching the third ring and if he wasn't within physical range of that phone, he would mm -hmm. say, he was kind of had the big bellowing voice. He would all right across the bank. Is somebody going to answer that phone? And <laughs> he was walking by your desk, and your phone was ringing, and it was approaching the third ring, and you were not picking it up. He would push yeah. you out of the way and pick the phone up um, <laughs> to make sure that that customer got that experience. It was such a deep passion, and that. Yeah throughout everybody else. It then officially made it into our culture standards, and everyone in the organization truly believed that that was a great way to be able to connect and answer mm -hmm. our customers, and it still lives on. Yeah. They're very interesting. To achieve as volumes continued to increase, though, yeah. And all of these technology companies kept telling us, oh, you should put a, um interactive voice assistant up front. You should have a virtual assistant, a conversational virtual assistant. And I understand that. I understand the efficiencies of those systems. But those systems don't match up with that culture. And what we uh, ended up having to do is, increase staffing 
we implemented a workforce management system and a voice biometric system to increase efficiencies all around and then many other smaller incremental efficiencies, process efficiencies to get up to uh, that service level that we desired and that's 90% of the interactions within three ranks. That's great. That's great. We are we're starting to get toward the end of our time together here, but uh, I did want you to just explain for our audience, uh, for those who might not know about voice biometrics, if you could just explain that to them and how it how it worked for you. Absolutely. So we there's two different methods that you can go with voice biometrics. You can either have uh, active voice biometrics where you can say my voice is my password, so you have a particular phrase that you would use, or you can have it be passive. And that's sort of the direction that we went because through enrollment, we wanted to uh, keep it similar to the verification questions that our customers had used in the past. And those questions were this simple, uh, may have your name, may have the last four of your social, may have two transactions that might have been on your account. And after answering those few questions, that customer would be enrolled. And then when they mm-hmm. call in the next time, we could dive right into a conversation and in under five seconds, mm-hmm. the system that we used would be able to give us a green light or a red light to tell us that that customer was who they say they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was absolutely incredible, massive efficiency gain up to, it was between 30 to 45 seconds efficiency gained on every verified caller. That's that's uh, huge. That's huge, and also in terms of satisfaction, customer satisfaction, not being asked to uh, give all kinds of verification answers is uh, something that uh, re- reduces, you know, the uh, annoyance factor of, of making the call. So, uh, great stuff. Thank you for explaining that to our audience, Nick. And we're we're really up toward the end here, but I would like to just ask you briefly, can you talk to us about your belief that not all modifications need to be big, that you have this strong feeling that small incremental changes can really add up quickly and significantly improve both the customer and agent experiences? Absolutely. I think uh, one of the best methods I used for this was uh, just going to sit with agents or going to take calls myself to see the process that agents were going through uh, for simple actions. So something as simple as changing an address on someone's account, seeing all of the different steps that would occur with us, and then going and talking to the software uh, manager or the department manager that managed that particular process and just asking the questions that nobody else was asking. And you could most times create a much more efficient process just by asking some questions. And that consistent process of going to review what's occurring every day can make massive action if you keep at it. Mm -hmm. Excellent, okay. Thank you so much for uh, your inputs here. This is a, a really excellent uh, call talk episode. I appreciate your being on, Nicholas. And uh, so at this point, we'll turn things over to Joseph to uh, wrap things up. Wonderful. Thank you, Bruce. 
Thank you for having me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. And the last thing that I'll leave all of you out there with is be present, listen to others, and always know that everyone has a story. Yes. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Thanks again to Nicholas McDonald and Bruce Belfiore for your insightful discussion on today's show. Be sure to join us again next month for another to- for another great show or look at our huge selection of archive shows and topics at freshmarkportal.com. Then click on Call Talk where you will find over seven seasons of this show. From all of us at Freshmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Joseph Ragana signing out and have a great day. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.